Welcome to episode 11 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of The What, When, Wine Diet, available in stores nationwide in 2018. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40 percent lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address. 
and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein. So I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. 
Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode 11 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And how are you today, Jen? I am doing great. I'm enjoying my summer. What have you been up to lately? Anything exciting? This is kind of random, but I'm always like experimenting with different supplements and stuff like that. I I do a lot less supplements now than I have in the past. Like I used to try all the the energy supportive ones and like the gut healing stuff and I would just kind of go crazy. Um, But have you ever tried colostrum before? No, I haven't. Have you heard of it? I would have said it colostrum. Colostrum. Oh, that's probably. That's how I would have said it. I I don't know. For some reason, it reminds me of like babies, newborn babies. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of (laughs) that period of my life. Like, (laughs) Like where have I heard that before when I was like had newborns? Yeah. So it's, um, it's basically compounds in breast milk. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, so it has all of these amazing health benefits for supporting digestive health and everything because basically when babies are born, it's the thing that gives them like antibodies and lactoferrin and just gets their gut going for life. Um, And you can supplement with bovine versions of it and apparently it's just amazing for gut health. And I had heard about it for quite a while. Um, but I recently, I was listening to a podcast actually, and they were talking about it and I had some in my pantry that I had tried in the past and I started supplementing with it recently and it's like changing my life. Wow. (laughs) Like what, what are you noticing? I'm going to write it down. Colostrum. Yeah. Colostrum. (laughs) That probably is how you say it. (laughs) Well, like, first of all, I take it and I take it in the fasted state, but I take it near the end of my fast and I instantly get this calm, happy feeling. And I don't think it's subjective. It's very definite and it happens every time. Sometimes I react to food a little bit. I think I have a little bit of a leaky gut. I think it's helping that. My skin is getting better. My inflammation is improving. I sound like a commercial, but I've just... Wow. <laughs> that is what's so in my life. And I'm glad you shared where it came from because I was thinking, where in the what? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> Where is she getting colostrum? That I know. Yeah. But okay, bovine, I get it. That's cow. Cow for anyone who doesn't <laughs> doesn't get that lingo. Yes. Cow's milk is what we, we generally ingest anyway. So that makes sense. But apparently it's good for even if you don't do dairy, it doesn't really um, activate dairy allergies or anything like that. But um, I'll put a link in the show notes to the brand that I use. But yeah. I just well, get excited about that's interesting. Stuff. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Sure. How about you? Any anything new with you? Well, I actually have been um, taking a, a supplement lately. Back, I've been back on it again. Gut health has been in the news, hasn't it? So I think both of us mm-hmm. are, are working on that. A couple of new books have come out. I've just read one. I'm I'm reading another one, and the gut is really where it's at. And so there, there are different types of prebiotic fibers that we can supplement with. Of course, I try to eat a lot of prebiotic foods because I think you do get great benefits from, from real food versions of things. You know, prebiotic foods feed our, our microbiome and they feed our good gut bacteria. So if you're eating the foods, that would be things like onions, garlic, resistant starch, whole list of things. Red wine, by the way, also feeds yes. the good, the good mm-hmm. guys, the polyphenols in the red wine and in the coffee. But I'm taking prebiotic fibers that you can actually buy. There are a whole bunch of different types, but um, I'll give you a link to the kind that I use as well. I can't remember. It's like a long word. 
Is it the uh, oleoglycin? It's something like that. Something. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't said that word out loud ever. So <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I started taking that again. I had it. I started taking it back in, I guess, early 2016 when I first read about it, and I hadn't taken it for a while. I guess I forgot. I don't know. But all the the reading I've been doing on gut health, I pulled it back out and I've started taking it again because when we feed the good gut bacteria, they they populate and so much of our health is tied into our gut. It's just fascinating. I think we're going to hear more and more about this over the coming years. It's really a exciting field of study. I agree. I think it's exciting that people are starting to realize more and more that the foundation of health is it all starts in it our does, gut. Exactly. Sure. And you know, scientists didn't know until I don't know 5 years ago within the past it hasn't been long that they've been able to pull out what's in our gut. I know this sounds disgusting, but they're able to pull it out and actually see what's in there and what's different and how we have such different gut microbiomes from person to person. And I really believe this is going to be the key to figuring out, you know, why, why do you have issues with certain foods, but I don't. And it, it goes back to what is living in your gut. I agree. I feel like we knew that, not we, but like way back in the day, like the ancient Greeks and stuff, they all knew that. And then we kind of forgot that, with modern medicine. That, that, <laughs> we we moved our focus to the wrong things, I think. Um, but I'm glad that's coming back. The idea of, of our, our foods being our medicine, is that mm-hmm. what you're meaning? Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. It's fascinating. Yeah. And the more you read, the more you want to read. So I've been, you know, it's I know. I've just been reading and researching and <laughs> it's fascinating. It's a wonderful Alrighty, shall we jump into the listener questions? Yes, let's do. Okie dokie. So the first question today comes from Dorothy, and Dorothy says, How do I handle hunger pangs, both physical and mental, when starting intermittent fasting? Love your podcast. So would you like to start with that? I will, and thank you, Dorothy. That's a a great question, and... Here's something about hunger. You know, people always say, when will, when will I stop having hunger? Well, I actually still do have hunger every now and then during the day, even as an intermittent faster. You'll have like what we think of as hunger. It could be just a little gurgle in your stomach or head hunger. You might just be suddenly craving food. That still happens. Even when you've been intermittent fasting for years, you'll have a moment of a stomach gurgle kind of a thing where you're like, ooh, I could eat something. But I find that those pass by very, very quickly. One time I timed it just out of interest. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you you would do that too, right, That's Melanie? Great. That sounds like I would, That's something yeah, I yeah. would do, definitely. So, I, I just one day was sitting on the couch. It might have been over Christmas. I don't know. But I had time to think about it. But I was... I felt a little hunger pang. It was mid-morning, and I'm like, wonder how long I'm going to be thinking about this. So I started my timer, and it was over within, like, two minutes. The The feeling was completely gone. So I don't know if I usually have hunger for that long, but that day it was it was less than two minutes. And then once it passes, it's, it's just gone. It's not like a – it's not a feeling that gets worse and worse and worse and worse until you're just, like, can't take it anymore. It comes, it goes, it passes, and – I've learned that hunger is not an emergency as an intermittent faster. One thing that's in contrast, though, is the type of hunger I used to have before I was an intermittent faster, and that's the type of hunger that does feel like an emergency, if you know what I mean, Melanie, you know, when you're eating frequently. And like low blood sugar? Yes. I would, 
you know, it, back in the day when I was a frequent eater and I would eat breakfast, I started to get hungry mid-morning. And I mean, like, really hungry, like, I've got to eat. Mm-hmm. And then I would I would eat something else, and then a, a couple hours later, I got that hunger again, and the only thing that would stop it would be eating. So I don't get that type of hunger like I used to get when I was eating frequently, and that's, you know, feeding the um, – are always looking for that that glucose for your body to run on. When you're in the fastest state, your body knows what to do. You dip into the um, the fat stores. But whenever I have gone back to, like on a special occasion or a trip, gone back to eating frequently, I find I'm a whole lot hungrier on those days after eating. The only time I get that old feeling that you just mentioned, sometimes if I eat a certain food, that is new and I think personally affects my blood sugar not negatively, um, it'll make me kind of like reactive hyperglycemic or Mm -hmm. something. And I do get that. I get that hunger. Like you've just got to eat, 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 right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it it is a different feeling because it happened the other day. I don't remember what I – I ate something. I don't know what it was. But um, I was like, oh, this is like the old hunger feeling. And I felt like I like had to eat something to make Mm -hmm. it go away, whereas normally I'm fine and I can just – it's a different yeah it's definitely different like you said i also hear about it you know we've talked about insulin before and that our our key in the fastest state is we want to keep our insulin low we don't want to ingest anything that'll cause us to release insulin and um i remember the first time that really really hit home for me is one day towards the end of my fast before i even realized how fruity flavors and sweet things could cause you to release insulin I had a strawberry-flavored mineral water. It was all natural. It was Whole Foods brand. The only ingredient in it was natural strawberry flavor. It had no calories, nothing. It didn't, didn't have any kind of sweetener. Well, I was in my fasted state. I drank it. Within an hour, I was shaky and starving. So I was like, huh, well, if that wasn't some sort of a <laughs> insulin reaction, I don't know what was. It, like, cleared out any kind of blood glucose I had circulating around and maybe instantly starving. So I've learned that that's a different kind of hunger, and I was shaky, and then I had to break my fast early. So the hunger, I mean, it's either going to be actual physical hunger, which I think, like you said, it's more rare. Like if if you're not, maybe you literally aren't eating enough in your eating window, which is a possibility, and then in that, or not getting enough nutrition and nutrients, then that might encourage you to get, become more hungry. Um, but normally it is more appetite, I think, and it's just adjusting to intermittent fasting. It does take a while for your hormones to adjust to your new eating pattern, but they will and they should. But as far as like specific like tips and tricks um, to help with that, I find that anything that increases energy from your fat stores is going to make you less hungry. So I mean, literally, you could use caffeine. I don't, I don't want you to be chugging caffeine all day or anything. But a lot of people do find that having like coffee in the morning or tea in the morning really jumpstarts that fasted state and just completely eradicates hunger. And then also, if you anything you do that just like I said upregulates energy. So um, like even just movement, like moving around, I find for me personally that can really blast through hunger cues for me. Just staying busy, just doing things that you like. Um, just moving your focus can really take the focus away from the hunger and just, I think, really help the fasted state. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really talk about the mental part. She asked in her question about the mental hunger. So I'm glad you mentioned that. The staying busy is important. 
we've, we realized when you've been fasting for a long time, we realized that food filled a lot of our mental needs as well. It was a way to keep us busy. You know, it was, it was entertainment. entertainment. That's right. Fasting can be boring. And (laughs) (laughs) until you, until you refocus your energy. Because if you're, if you're used to, "Hmm, I'm bored, I think I'll go have a snack. You've got to find something else to fill that space. And mm-hmm, we realize how definitely. often it was food that we turned to. Hi, friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. Yep. All right. Are we ready for the next question? Yes. This is from Leah. And her topic is, or her subject is being open about your lifestyle. 
And she says, first, I would like you both to know how much I enjoy your podcast. You both have such unique and knowledgeable perspectives. My question is about revealing slash explaining to others your lifestyle. How do you explain your decision to live an intermittent fasting or one meal a day lifestyle to family and friends? My mother has thyroid issues and I brought it up to her and she brushed it off. She has also made comments to me about, quote, not eating anymore, quote. I'm just looking for some advice on how to handle people like this. Melanie, what do you have to say about that? Yes, so this is a huge one. We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, The way people react to intermittent fasting can just be kind of crazy, especially if you're new to it. It can be a bit shocking. Um, But I've definitely learned a few different things that I do personally that I find helps and The key thing for me is emphasizing that I'm doing intermittent fasting for health and wellness rather than as a diet. Like I like to tell people that um, I do intermittent fasting because I I could never diet and I love food too much. (laughs) Um, And I find that putting the emphasis on why you're doing it for all the positives can really help. Um, so you're doing it to nourish your body and it, and it's good. The more research you do on intermittent fasting. So just on your own or talking to other people, listening to this podcast, the more knowledge you gain and you can speak more to the scientific nature of it. If the people want to talk to you about it, (laughs) you don't want to like throw all these scientific facts at them if they don't want to listen. Um, but there's definitely so much support for like the longevity and disease prevention. So just having that as a topic to talk about, I find really helps. When I talk to people about intermittent fasting, I like to emphasize that I'm doing it for me personally, rather than something that everybody should do, even though I do think everybody should do it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I like to say that I do it because it makes me feel better. Um, and just, speak to that. And then of course, lastly, I just think letting the results speak for themselves is key. Once you start experiencing the health benefits and the weight loss, and if it really is making you more vital and just loving life and feeling good, I really think those results will speak for themselves. So how about you, Jen? I I think that's so true. And people that, that see when you start doing it and they, they question it and they criticize it, after you've been doing it for a while and they see your results and they, they see how much healthier you are, they suddenly want to start finding out more about this lifestyle. I've found that to be true, um, especially in my workplace when people, you know, my family, I guess, has been used to my whole crazy diet things over the years from early on. Mm-hmm. So they're like, what's Jen doing now? <laughs> I actually, this, this is a funny story. I just had, it's a little bit of a tangent, but um, I still get um, flack sometimes about when I was on a low-calorie diet back in the 90s, and I brought a frozen dinner to a family get-together because I was counting my calories. So I brought my my own little frozen meal that had like 230 calories. I brought it with me. They still make fun of me for that. But anyway, back to it. <laughs> I've done that too, by the way. Have you? Yeah. yeah. They still are like, remember when? <laughs> when I tried the, the HCG thing, I'd bring like my bag of chicken and lettuce oh, to yeah. like a family Christmas gathering. Not good. Yeah. Oh, I've done that at restaurants. I sat there with my chicken. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> my well, family was used to it, but my coworkers, they were not quite as used to it. So they were like, what do you mean you're not going to eat lunch? What are you doing? Why? Are... But eventually they started to realize, you know, over the years that I've done it that, hey, Jen might not be so crazy after all. So more and more of my friends and 
colleagues and acquaintances have started picking up the intermittent fasting lifestyle themselves and that makes it so much easier because they realize how much better they feel too. So you just need to be a walking advertisement for the lifestyle and eventually people will understand. Now somebody still might make a comment, you know, there every now and then, like I have a coworker who's really lean and always has been and she must have some great gut bacteria, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> her microbiome is very healthy. But she'll still drop a comment every now and then, like, oh, yeah, you don't eat. I'm like, well, yeah, I do. And I actually enjoy eating in front of people sometimes so they can see how much I do eat. Because mm-hmm. um, then they realize, you know, like like in the comment the mom said, not eating anymore. Well, let them see that you are. You are eating. You're not afraid of food. And that, that also speaks for itself. Yeah, I think that's great. The next question comes from Alex, and I like these questions because, well, I guess it could be a guy or a girl. Well, Alex, um, she, he, she asks some similar questions that we just answered. So Alex says, hello, I have been doing IF for six months and I have seen several benefits. I would like to hear what you have to say about the challenges of IF. Mine are, so the first one is the awkwardness of visiting people and explaining IF turning down breakfast and even lunch, people think you have some major eating disorder. So that's kind of similar to the question that we just answered. Um, Do you want to draw or talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I think that it's important to draw the distinction between eating disorders and fasting because people do get confused and they'll throw out that word eating disorder. And intermittent fasting is not an eating disorder. And I think one of the reasons that people tend to think that it might be is because people who have eating disorders might use fasting as a tool to try to lose weight, but it's, it's all about what your goals are. You know, if you've got an eating disorder, you want to be an unhealthy weight. You, you have, you know, you, you have bad body image. You don't realize your true size. It's, it's not about living a healthy lifestyle. And it's eating more mental. Is, it is, it is an emotional and it's more of like you're trying to control your body so you, you can, take take your weight way way down. It's really about what your goals are, I think. If you want to be an unhealthy size and you're never happy with what you see in the mirror, that's more of like the li- along the lines of eating disorder, the way I understand it. What do you think, Melanie? Yeah, I agree. Um I I think people wrap it together because people who do IF, I mean, it look it can look like an eating disorder because you're refusing not to eat when other people are and you are being very strict and holding to this eating pattern. Um, but it's, it's not the same thing at all. Um, it's healthy and nourishing and supports a healthy weight. And it's not about the mental, just the mental skewed perspective that I think is key for the eating disorder foundation. Um, exactly. Eating disorders are a mental disorder, Mm -hmm. not a style of eating. So fasting may be used by people with an eating disorder, but fasting itself is not an eating disorder. So it's important to understand that, or you might start to worry, oh my gosh, do I have an eating disorder? And if you're overweight and you're trying to get to a healthy weight and your goal is to be healthy, then fasting is a great tool for you. Um, But if you are at a low BMI, you're below a healthy weight for you, below a healthy size, and you are continuing to do long fasts, that would be something to to worry about. But other Mm -hmm. than that, when you explain intermittent fasting to people, as as you've said before, Melanie, we don't want to be apologetic about it. We don't want to feel like we're being defensive. Just be be confident and say, no, I'm not eating right now. I prefer to eat later. 
Yeah, that's something like that. That's what I like to say that um yeah, I'm not hungry, which is true, <laughs> completely true. Um or that I ate before or after, which I are actually both true. I'm just eating at a different time than um right. than they currently are. I also so as far as like breakfast and lunch are concerned, um some people do have eating windows that include lunch, so then that wouldn't be a problem, but for people doing one meal a day where it's dinner only, I mean, I try as best as I can to for food social gatherings to influence the plan so that they do happen at dinner time because then I can just go gung ho crazy. Um, but for breakfast and lunch, I like to suggest uh, tea and coffee, um, which I find works really well. Um, but if you do have to go, I mean, you don't have to turn down a breakfast and lunch. You can still go. You're just going to have to figure out how you want to handle the situation personally. If you're with friends who know you well, like you said, Jen, you can, I mean, you can explain your decision and why you're doing it, or you can say that you're eating later, but definitely the longer you do IF, the more comfortable you'll become with integrating it into your social situation. Now I rarely have problems. Of course, I've been doing it for about seven years, so most people know my craziness with it. (laughs) And also, I think as it becomes more and more widely known, I mean, I'm seeing articles pop up all the time Mm -hmm. about intermittent fasting and you know, famous people who are doing it. And and that brings awareness to the topic. It's not going to be seen as something that's, you know, fringe, hopefully forever. People will understand that it's a healthy practice and it's, it's good for us. We're, we're choosing to eat in a different pattern for health purposes, not because we have, you know, some crazy eating disorder. Exactly. Okay. So Alex's second challenge, going out at night with friends. My window is from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. Going out drinking with friends, I might have my last calories at 1 or 2 a.m. This makes it very hard to last 15 or more hours the next day before I eat. And so I'm a little bit confused if the question is if Alex is struggling with lasting because he or she is hungrier the next day from the drinking or if he or she is finding it hard to go a full 15 hours because the window technically closed at 2 a.m. Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe. I do. I do. I will say as far as like going out at night with friends, um, if your normal window is 2 to 9 and you you go out and it says here that you're having your last calories at 1 or 2 a.m., you know, you're out on the town, you're you're later than normal. I actually do if I'm, if I'm out with friends like that. I do like to eat something before I go to bed if I have been drinking. Although I, the last time I did anything like that was probably like, I don't know, November. It's been a long time since I've been out. But um, a night where you're doing a lot of drinking, it can be really hard to fast the next day because you don't feel well. So I guess, you know, you don't want to do this a lot. You don't want to do it frequently. Yeah. Um. So I was going to say, okay, well, I'll just address both of the two possibilities. So if it is because you're drinking a lot and you're hungrier the next day, which really does happen, I would just suggest making that an occasional (laughs) occurrence. Um, And I mean, I think it is good to enjoy life. And so my, my, actually my go-to answer is if you're just, if it's, if this is an occasional thing and it's not all the time, I honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. Right. And I, you don't have to do intermittent fasting every day anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. So if, if you do this one day, it makes you feel, I mean, (laughs) enhances your life socially, makes you feel better. um, You just enjoy it. Don't sweat it. Just do it. And the next day, if you're hungry, just eat. (laughs) 
I think it's fine. Um, if you're doing it every night, that would be a different situation. <laughs> you need it. Yeah, you need to change your window. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, if if this were like something you did every day and every night you were, you know, or well, you wouldn't be going out drinking every night till one or two a.m. But let's say that even once or twice a week you like to go out till one or two a.m. I would just say perhaps on those days have a, a later window where you start later too. Well, that, of starting that's what at, I was wondering. Oh, oh, you're saying have a later window yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because normally idea. Alex opens his or her window at 2 p.m., 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. That's a seven-hour window. If you know you're going to be out, you know, with your friends and wanting to eat something at 1 or 2 a.m., then don't start at 2. You know, shift it up. You know, don't eat eat till dinner. Wait till dinner, and you know, maybe wait till seven. And you have mean something that to day eat. or the next day? Yes, that day. That day. That day. So the day that you're going out, instead of opening your window at two and keeping it open till two a.m., as as in this example, if the window is from two p.m. to nine p.m. normally, but now you're out till one or two a.m., so your window has actually stayed open for twelve hours. Instead, just start it later if you know you're going to be celebrating. Does I think that that's a good sense? idea. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good and idea. And then, yeah, so then you've had actually a longer fast that day. So then if you wake up a little bit hungover the day after you've been out till 2 a.m., you'll have a shorter fast that day and it all balances out. I agree. I agree. Okay, and then the third challenge is getting hungry. Happens less now, but some days I get hungry mid-morning and still have four hours to go. I have a number of distraction techniques, but would like to hear your thoughts. And so I like this because we did just talk about this. Um, I will say quickly to answer this. Um, I don't like to see it as a distraction because I think using that terminology makes it seem like you're running away from something and it just makes it seem harder to avoid hunger. So I like to see it as like a new priority or new refocused energy. So if you do get hungry, it's like, oh, what can I do instead, um, instead of eating? Like, what, what can I do with this new, this new time that I have? Um, so I like to, I like to rephrase that personally for me. Um, but do you have any specific distraction techniques? Well, I, as, as we've said, stay busy, you know, find something that you're doing instead of eating at that time. I also, of course, I drink coffee in the morning that helps with hunger for me, but afternoon, you know, it might be noon and I still have four or five hours to my window is going to open and I don't want to drink coffee. That's when I switch to mineral water, fizzy mm-hmm. mineral water. That really helps make my, my stomach. If I have that gurgling going on and I drink some mineral water, I feel better. Or even just regular water if, if you don't do well with, with the sparkling water. Yeah. I personally don't do well if I rely on drink on drinking like we talked about before, um, calorie-free sweetened beverages as a distraction, which I did at the beginning when I started intermittent fasting. Because then I was just like, oh, chugging the the calorie-free flavored waters, and that just makes it worse. Honestly, it's more of a roller coaster in my opinion. Right. Um, What you don't want to do is have anything that's sweetened that's going to spike your insulin because that's going to affect your fasted state. So mm -hmm. definitely stick to things that are unflavored, unsweetened, coffee, tea, unflavored waters, that sort of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, my main thing is just just do something. If you do something you like, and it'll make the the, the craving pass. Right. And, and it'll go back. Or you could time it like I did earlier. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Say, hey, how long is this going to last? <laughs> Physical movement for me is like the go-to way to get rid of mm-hmm. any craving. All right, should we move on to the next question? Yes, the next one is from Lisa Ann, and it's training on 
a 24-hour fast, and the question says, Hi, I have just started IF and am doing a 14-10 approach to start as I have been eating five to six meals a day for years with minimum results, I might add. So she's starting slow. She's starting 14-10 means that you know, 14 plus 10, 24 hours in a day. So she's starting with a 10-hour eating window, and um, she she's doing that just as a, as a beginning technique. So she says, so far I am feeling great, training fasted every morning, and I have already lost a couple of pounds. On top of that, I feel energetic and de-bloated. My question is, I'd like to try a 24-hour fast next Tuesday. It's the least busy day of the week for me, but I don't want to miss my workout. Can I work out on a 24-hour fast? I would be eating my last meal on Monday evening and would be working out early Tuesday morning, eating Tuesday evening. What do you gals think of this? Thanks, and keep up the great work. I have listened to all your episodes so far and bought both of your books. And thank you very much for that, Lisa, and we appreciate it. So what do you think, Melanie? What do you think about her 24-hour fast plan? Yes, well, hi, Lizanne, and thank you for getting our books. <laughs> um, speaking of, I just want to throw this out there. My book is actually no longer currently available, at least not from me. Um, there are used versions online, but it's going to be re-released in January. So if you can't find it, or if it doesn't seem available, that's why. Just wanted to throw that out there. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's, a, that's important. <laughs> Just a quick plug. Um, okay, uh, so question about the 24-hour fast. So this kind of hits me with memories from when I first started intermittent fasting because I did jump straight into a 24-hour fasting window when I first started. And I remember thinking, oh, 24 hours, that is just that is just so long. Like this is just going to be crazy and this is going to be so hard. And now I honestly do 24 hours like all the time. <laughs> um, the more you do intermittent fasting, the easier it becomes. And I do, I don't do actual exercise at a gym per se, but I am very physically active most days. And I find absolutely no difficulty with doing exercise or any sort of physical activity on a longer fast. I actually find it almost easier. Um, so I would definitely say try it. And I know you're thinking that it's going to be intense because it's your first 24-hour fast, um, but it's really, it's almost not as big of a deal as people make it out to seem. Um, but I will emphasize, you said you're going to do it, you'd like to do it on the least busy day of the week. I would actually suggest that you try your first 24-hour fast on a really busy day um, because I find that the busy you are and the more you have to do, the easier it is. If you're not very busy and if you're not doing as much, it's going to just seem longer personally is what I think, especially if you're working out in the morning and then you just have this huge, seemingly huge window of fastedness with nothing to do, um, that might make it a little bit harder. So I would suggest either doing it on a busier day or maybe working out later that day when you first try it, but totally go for it. How about you, Jen? Well, I love that you said that because that's what jumped out to me as well, that she was going to do it on the least busy day. And I find the busier I am, the easier it is to fast and don't even think about it. Like, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm home for the summer. I find myself looking at the clock. Oh, is it? What time is it now? And But when I'm working during the school year, I don't even think about it. I don't think about what time it is or is it time to eat. I'm at work. I'm not thinking about it. I'm busy. And when I'm not working and I'm off doing something, I'm not thinking about food, but it's when, when you don't have a lot to do, it actually does become harder. So I was thinking that same exact thing, Melanie, as you. Same page. <laughs> yep, we are. We are. All right. We're ready for the next question. 
Yes. Last and this question. Is, yes, this is from James. And James says, or the subject is lime juice. And the question is, just started my first fast, looking to go three days. Normally I wake up and have carbonated water with freshly squeezed lime juice. Is this okay to continue whilst fasting? Whilst fasting. I know. I, I wonder where James is from. Where is James I don't know. From? He could be, could be Australian. I don't know. Or English, just very, British. Very yes. proper. <laughs> very proper. Um, I do wonder, James, looking to go three days, do you think he's going three days of IF or he's I think to he's do... going to do a, a three-day fast, three day a longer fast. fast. I think so. Okay. That's what that it, is that's something. What I, yeah. That is a little bit different than the intermittent fasting that we talk about on this podcast. Um but that's a whole nother subject entirely. But as far as lime juice breaking the fast or doing it while fasting, I, I think it's fine unless it makes you hungry. It's a little bit difficult to talk about because it's hard to find specific scientific studies on how certain things affect the fasted state that you ingest, particularly liquids like lime juice and things like that. So it's hard to say yes or no. One thing breaks the fast or one thing doesn't. Um, so I think you really have to go just on how it makes you feel, which is really subjective, but I think that's just what you have to do. And so if you drink the lime juice and you you still feel in the fasted state and you don't get hungry as a result or you don't crave more, I think it's completely fine. If on the other hand, if you drink it and you find yourself ravenously hungry a little bit later, like Jen talked about getting shaky or anything like that, then I would not have it. How about you? Yeah, I think you answered that very well. It's the same thing. Um, people always ask, what can I have during the fast? What can I put in my water? And, you know, you read read different opinions from different people, different doctors, different fasting experts. Lemon and lime are in what I like to call the gray area. And people will say, yeah, you can have it. Also, apple cider vinegar fits into that, that same gray area. Um, some people can have lemon and lime perfectly fine in the apple cider vinegar and it doesn't affect them at all they don't get hungrier whereas other people like I have a friend who's fasting and she came up to me one day and said hey does lemon juice make some people hungrier and I said yes and she said that's what I thought I'm cutting it out tomorrow so I actually wrote a blog post about this it's can I have blank while fasting it might be the first one I, I wrote actually it's on jenstevens.com and it's my long answer version of this but Basically, I think you have to first get used to what it feels like to fast without stuff. You know, you want to figure out what is it like to fast with like what I call a clean fast with just water, just black coffee. How does that feel? And once you know what that feels like, you will know if the lime juice is a problem for you immediately. Now, if it's your first day of fasting ever and you're starting with the lime juice, you might just be hungry and you don't know why. Maybe because it's your first day. Maybe it's the lime juice. But really get used to what it feels like to fast without it and then try it and you will know if it bothers you. I found that out with um, apple cider vinegar. Once I gave up all the flavored teas that I used to rely on, I used to drink a lot of teas with names like, you know, apple pie tea. I don't know. <laughs> they had that sweet flavor. Once I realized the sweet flavor was a problem, I gave them all up. So I was looking for another drink to have in the afternoon on cold days during the winter. And so someone said, oh, I love apple cider vinegar in hot water. So I thought, well, that sounds delicious. So I tried it. It was delicious. And I was starving within an hour. Mm -hmm. Because I know what fasting feels like for me, I knew that that didn't work for me. Now, if I had been brand new, I would have just thought I was hungry because I was fasting. But I learned I cannot do apple cider vinegar. Some people do it all day long. They're fine with it. 
Same with the lime, same with the lemon. The key is know how you how you feel when you're fasting. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. So for James, this is his first fast. Right. So, well, yes. So could yeah. be <laughs> could be a little difficult. Um maybe you could try it on like day three <laughs> and evaluate then. Um, but yeah, you just have to see what works for you. Yep. All righty. To wrap things up, if you have your own listener questions, we would love, love, love to hear them. So there are two ways that you can submit them to us. You can email questions at ifpodcast.com. You can also visit ifpodcast.com and there, there's a link to submit questions there as well. Speaking of that website, we have show notes on that website for each episode. So if you go there, you can see, we didn't really talk about that many studies today, but you can see any studies that we referenced. You can see any of the, the products or the things we liked. And then you can also see various notes from today's episode. And last thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love, love, love if you could write a review on iTunes. It really, really helps just ever so much. So, yep. Anything else to say, Jen? No, I, th- I think you said it all. And thank you to all the, for all the people sending in questions. Yes, thank you so much. We love, we love getting them. We love answering them. They're just really wonderful. <laughs> yep, I think so too. All right, we'll see you all next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.